Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Have you ever gotten into a fight with a loved one and if they need space, you are like not okay until they come back and things are settled? Or maybe you have found yourself dating someone and you texted them and don't hear back from them immediately. Maybe they take a few hours to respond and you start to panic. Like, does this person not like me anymore? Are we going to break up? Or maybe whether in friendship or romance, if you ever feel someone sort of distance themselves from you or pull away, you hit panic mode and something in you just is not okay until that gets resolved. If you have said yes to any of those things, you might have an anxious attachment style. On the other side, maybe you like someone and are totally into them until they start liking you back. Like everything is fine until you start liking them back. And all of a sudden, any attention from that person feels like a total turnoff or you start not liking them for really surface level things like, oh, he has an ugly thumb, so I can't date him. Or perhaps the idea of a relationship feels suffocating because you're terrified of losing yourself and your independence. Or maybe you're the person that always gets stuck in the friend zone. If that is you, you might have an avoidant attachment style when it comes to relationships. So what exactly is attachment style and what are we talking about when we talk about attachment style? Where do they come from? How do we know we have one? Can they change? Or if we are anxious, are we forever doomed to be anxious? Also, how does our attachment style impact who and how we date? All right. These are all great questions. All great questions that I myself have and have had, and we are answering them all in this 
podcast episode today. I have back with us one of my best friends in real life, Amanda Blair Hopkins. She's a relationship coach and expert and just one of my favorite people in the world. Amanda and her awesomeness is about to school us in attachment style. So let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I have a returning guest with us today. She is relationship coach and expert, Amanda Blair Hopkins. Hello. Hello. Um, Hello. And you do coaching Mm -hmm. for... To be magnetic. To be magnetic. Mm -hmm. Lacey Phillips, who runs To Be Magnetic, was on the podcast Mm -hmm. And I th- I've told you this like a thousand times, but your episode and her episode are two, like they hover between the most downloads oh, of out of that. my 100 plus episodes now. I love that. Well, she's my mentor, so that yeah. makes me feel real good. I yeah. love her so much. Yeah. Well, you are amazing. And you're also one of my dearest friends that yes. I'm considering getting a matching tattoo with. Yes, but you don't want to get the tattoo that I actually want to get. That we actually utilize, that would utilize our nickname for each other. I know, but... It's cool. Compromise. Well, I'll do what you said <laughs> if, like, the triangle, but we'd have to get it triangles with circles in it to represent, like, pepperoni, which is, like, a traditional pizza. What if it's a cheese pizza? Right. But if you <laughs> are doing, like, a representation of pizza, then people would know that, right? Yeah. Like, you would have to get a colored pizza tattoo, which would not be cute. Yeah. But if you did, if we're just going to do a triangle, then there would need to be some pepperoni circles yeah. in there so that it's like, that's folks, pizza. can you hear my dilemma? So Amanda and I call each other pizza. <laughs> so there was a video that it was like this little girl and the mom was like, what's your name? Pizza? <laughs> no, it's Lacey. <laughs> oh. And we, so we send that, we sent it to each other a bunch and then we just started calling each other pizza. It just stuck. And it just stuck. And my my idea was to get matching tattoos because I have a bunch of little tattoos. So I'm less nervous about getting something mm-hmm. on my body at yeah. this point. I'm kind of yeah. like, it's fun. Who cares? It reminds me of you. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a fun time. So yeah. the actual thing doesn't bother me that yeah. much. And it's referencing to exactly what we call each other. That's like, true. I could get a word of pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, that would also be fine. <laughs> or I was like, my, I have three tattoos and one of them I actually I actually already share a tattoo with a friend we right. both got crosses on our I asses. have two friend tattoos see you already have it but my other two like I wanted I so I have grace and greek on my right wrist and Selah, which is in hebrew on my left arm and like my friend like wrote the script for this tattoo like for both of them I like thought about it for like multiple years and it was like this Oh, this thing and... But you don't like this one, right? I don't like this one. Right. So I here's my thing about tattoos. Yeah. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I think it's fine if you want to get, like, really thoughtful about it and think about it for many years because it is going to be on your body. However, I do think there's something to be said for picking something that is just a memento of that particular time in your life or a particular person in your life Mm -hmm. that you love and allowing it to be a little timestamp. And so when you look at it, that's what it is. So it doesn't carry such like weight, like, Oh gosh, like this has to be like, this has to be so meaningful. Cause essentially, I mean, any of my tattoos that I got like to be meaningful 
years ago are no longer meaningful for the reason that they were meaningful then. But they're meaningful because I look back and I'm like, oh, I got that at this point in my life. And that's what this reminds me of. And like that matters. Hmm. So I think it's okay to be a little less serious too. I hear that. I hear that. That's my argument for fun tattoos. I hear that. But I also have multiple. So I'm less. um, Uh, You're all tatted up these days. How many Um, do you have total? I have no idea. One, Mm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Amazing. Okay. This is my lucky number. That's my favorite number. Well, oh my God. (laughs) (sighs) Maybe I can't get another one. Maybe you need it. Maybe you just need to sit with it for a minute. Yeah. Sit with it. I mean, I I already want a lot more, but I know. Okay. Well, um, let's end our TED talk on (laughs) tattoos. Um, okay. So why I wanted you back on the podcast Mm -hmm. last time you talked about how to pursue wholeness before pursuing a relationship. We'll link that show in the, in the notes. And this time I want to talk with you about attachment styles. It's something that you and I have both personally done work on. You are, I feel like now are a little bit of, you are an expert on attachment styles now. And it just seems to keep coming up in conversations. And I would just love to talk with you about that. Teach us about attachment styles. What Um, are they? How do we know we have them? Well, everyone has an attachment style. Uh, Attachment styles, they were found by John Bowlby, I think is how you pronounce his last name. I could really be mispronouncing that, so apologies. Um, He started to the findings, um, and then two psychologists later kind of furthered what he found. But essentially what he found was that the way that you attach to your caregivers in childhood is the way that you will attach to your romantic partners uh, later on in life. And there are four attachment styles. Um, There's three like that I mostly focus on because the fourth is a little bit more rare, but essentially it is there's anxious attachment style, avoided attachment style, which those are both insecure attachments, and then anxious avoidant, which is also insecure, um, and then secure, which is a secure attachment style. Mm-hmm. And they're so helpful to figure out what your attachment style is. And again, we all have one um, because when we're in relationships and we feel like if you know we have an anxious attachment style we'll feel like we're crazy. We'll feel like we're broken. We'll feel like there's something wrong with us. You know, if we're avoidant, we'll wonder why we haven't been in a relationship before, you know, why we run away when someone likes us, whatever. Mm -hmm. We'll just feel like we're these broken humans and Mm -hmm. we're not. It's just, we have these deeply ingrained pattern Mm -hmm. patterns, which are attachment. Um, What we learned love is and we have these deep rooted wounds and fears around it. And it sort of prevents us from finding a healthy dynamic in a relationship. And then once we figure out our attachment and we do work to get to earn secure, so you can absolutely change your attachment, which is great because you don't, you're not destined to just be one your whole life. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about our brain is it's plastic. It can change. It just requires a lot of effort and work and consistency inside of that work. But once you start doing it to the work to become earned secure, you can completely change the experiences you find in dating and and the way that you show up in your life because Mm. your attachment style affects all areas. It's not just romantic. You know, you can be 
anxious with friends or with romantic partners and avoidant with friends. Mm-hmm. You can be avoidant in your relationship with money. You can be anxious in your work environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really, you know, but you can be secure like with your family or mm-hmm. something. Like it can, it will affect you in all areas. So sort of realizing what your attachment style is just offers a lot of freedom. Yeah. It gives you a way to remember that at your core, you are whole, mm-hmm. you are love, you are divine. And that idea that you could be broken is false. Yeah. I think what I love about what you just shared and about leaning into how was I loved? How did I experience love growing up is like what you just said, our brains are plastic, so we can change. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of things, I mean, I love Enneagram. I've done podcast episodes on Enneagram. I love Myers-Briggs. I'm a personality test girl. But I think what can happen is people pigeonhole themselves of, oh, well, I am just a three. That's just how I was wired. Or I am an ENFJ. That's just how I am. And the type becomes the excuse not to grow or to perpetuate the unhealthy patterns. Whereas like what you're saying is we can identify one of these four, which I would love for you to kind of unpack those a little bit more. Um, We can identify. So I get very anxious with men, but I can get really avoidant with women, my Mm -hmm. female friendships, but I don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the really good news here with this. So you said there's anxious, Mm -hmm. avoidant, Mm -hmm. anxious, avoidant, and then secure. Right. And then the first three are all insecure attachments. Yes. Obviously. And there's sort of nuances inside of those two. Like if you are looking at it from more of a like diagnose, there's like different like categories within those and they'll have different names. Uh, But those are kind of like the just general way to like look into it and you don't have to get like super deep into all the psychology unless you really want to, which is amazing. And you should, if you do. So I'll just go through like the main three. So anxious essentially is when you were a baby into like seven, we'll say, and, or like 14, if we're being super generous, it's the way that your parents attune to you. So attunement is very different from presence. Right. You could have parents that were there, physically there, but not attuned to you. So it meant that they were looking in your, you know, looking at you. They were new. They knew your needs and they were meeting those needs. So when you have an anxious attachment, it meant that that attunement was sometimes happening and sometimes not. So you learned you couldn't trust when that attunement would happen AKA you couldn't trust when your needs would be met. So what you learned and the program or rather the patterning in your brain is love is unstable. Mm -hmm. Love is untrustworthy. So when you go into adulthood and you start looking for people to love, you will find the avoidant person who is not there all with all the time comes in, comes out that unstable love will be like, that's the guy Mm -hmm. or that's the woman. That's the person. That's my, you know, that's the love that I'm looking for. And then with avoidance, it is the parent or caregiver didn't wasn't getting their own needs met. And so their needs were coming before the kids and the kid learned to shut down their needs because it just wasn't getting met. So to buffer themselves from facing further rejection that would have been too overwhelming for someone so young, they just shut their emotions down because their parents were taking over or caregivers, whatever. Um, And so love becomes a thing that is engulfing 
And that is why they push it away mm. and keep it at arm's length because it's, I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to be engulfed. And it's just like very much a pushing away sensation. And then secure is where the parents or caregivers were attuned to them enough that the child could trust that their needs were being met. Mm. So even a secure parent isn't meeting the needs of their child 24 seven, 365 days a week. So just for any parents listening, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be perfect. That's mm. not what this is about, but it's happening enough that the child trusts you mm. and trusts that you're going to meet its needs. And w- with the insecure attachments, they don't. Mm. So then that secure attachment goes into adulthood and, you know, trust that people mean what they say, that they're going to show up for them, that they love them and they're going to do right by them. And they have a beautiful sense of security within themselves yeah. and the insecure attachments do not. Wow. So thanks for explaining that. Yeah. Um, let's make it personal. Yeah. Let's, I want to talk about for both of us, let's both give examples like what, how has this shown up in your life? Like, what are your attachment styles? How has that looked for you? Like, what are some maybe specific examples if you want to go into of here's what that looked like for me? Yeah. I um, can share some too. I was an anxious attachment. I'm definitely more insecure now. Um, and I think that is something that I will always be working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there's an X spot that will be like, and I'm done and I'm finally secure. And now I never need to do work ever. (laughs) That's just not how this stuff works. Um, It is kind of upkeep and consistency, but I would say now, like I'm much less likely to go back into a really anxious state than Mm -hmm. I was, you know, when I first started this work. But uh, the way that showed up for me, mostly, honestly, I was anxious in most, I would think I was anxious in all of my relationships pretty much. Um, friendships and romantic relationships, work relationships. I can, I can think of instances where I was anxious in all of those. Uh, the, I think the main one that caused me the most pain was romantic. And I would just chase and chase and chase and chase unavailable men who were usually addicts and, you know, were unstable from that. And then also, were super avoidant. So we were in that anxious avoidant trap. So they would come on super strong in the beginning. And then I would jump in with two feet and be like, I'm in love. I've met my soulmate. And I would dive in and they would pull away. And then there would start the game of they would pull away. I would pull, you know, I would push way hard. And then they would like, I would start to pull away. Then they would come back and mm-hmm. then over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again, ad infinitum um, until I really started to do this work and stopped yeah. calling in those people. And then when I would even still meet those people that would come in as tests to go, okay, <laughs> this person is super unavailable and it's a test and I have to walk away. Yeah. And those are really tough tests <clears throat> to walk away from. Yeah. But they're the, the most powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, so what that's looked like in my life is I would say that I am primarily anxious with men mm. and I'm also walking into more security, but the history of almost all of my relationships with men, high school, college, 20s, until a few years ago, and I'll just share one particular guy I dated, literally on our first date, he told me he was newly divorced did not want to be in a relationship and was not looking for anything serious. 
And I heard that, but what I heard, I heard those words, but in my heart, what I heard was he's being vulnerable with me and he mm-hmm. needs me. And so I entered into a, what I thought was a relationship, even though he was very clear with me <clears throat> that he didn't want to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was a constant, like, it was a, like, windshield wiper. Yeah. I mean, and I would chase, 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 or he would, I would text him and be like, oh, check my phone a thousand times. Is he going to text me back? Yeah. And then I I felt any time I was kind of, like, chasing towards him or, like, do you want to hang out? Do you want to do something? Or just I would want to hear from him. Even just my anxious energy, I would just, he would just disappear. Right. And then I would pull back kind of like what you shared with your experience. And then it was like always at random times when I was finally moving on, he would like come back into my life. And it was this yo-yo of an experience for a really long time. And, yeah. You know, uh, thankfully. I've lived that story oh, a man. thousand times. Same. <laughs> and then after I'd been working on it for quite a few years, a few summers ago, we were friends during this time. Another guy came into my life and we were friends, but I had a crush on him and he was super emotionally unavailable to me, even as a friend. Mm-hmm. And he, we were supposed to have multiple hangouts and like FaceTimes and get togethers. And he flaked out on me four or five times mm-hmm. and it totally activated this young part of me yeah, of again, course. where I was like, wait, like, so are we getting together or not? Are we hanging out or not? Are we? And I, I was like, Oh, like, thankfully I, I, it took me like two weeks to realize I was, I was chasing a man again. And yeah. it was just like, well, do you want to reschedule or should we like, what's best for you? And be, I'm in my head. I was like, I'm being accommodating. I really want to spend time with this person. We're friends. Yeah. And I realized actually, no, this person has flaked out on me five times. Like, right. why do I even want to spend time with this person? Yeah. Clearly, this is not a good friend. Yeah. And so I stopped that. I stopped the friendship. Yeah. We don't chase anybody. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. We don't chase Oprah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But I think in that moment, what I felt was I felt like a failure at first because I was like, here it is again. Like, I'm feeling like, well, does this person like me? Does he want me? Will he want me? Let me just do some backflips for him, which was a lot of my childhood with my dad. Right. Activated your attachment style. Totally activated my attachment style. But kind of like we were talking about, like, a progress of growth. Like, I was like, you know what? It took me two weeks to figure this out and not two years like it did in my 20s. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I had a test... um that was last year and uh it was I had this thing with my dad that came up at the beginning of last year where he stopped talking to me from March of 2019 until November 2019 and to be honest my dad completely disappearing out of my life is not uncommon so because I have dealt with this my whole life I I didn't associate it with affecting me I think I just I really shut down Um, and I ended up getting into a couple situations where I was faced with like my old pattern and I'm like, what am I doing with this? But I met a guy who told me on the first date that he was newly out of a three-year relationship, like six weeks. And so I, I know I'm like, you're not ready for a relationship, but we 
decided to be friends, listener, that's a terrible idea. You cannot <laughs> be friends with people that you are actually attracted to and want to be more than friends. Okay? <laughs> they will not get to know you and think how wonderful you are. And actually something will work out. Just do yourself a favor and cut them off. Um, but I kept going with it and it was that very familiar, like he came on so strong, like told me he loved me within a week, which was nuts. And I was like, you do not love me. Let's slow this down. Um, and then like pulled away and, I had to really go through the pain of my dad abandoning me yet again um, within that experience and walk away. And it was so hard and it was hard to do it even after knowing all that I know, mm-hmm. doing what I do. It, I was reminded that those wounds that I have, especially when reopened by the person who originally gave me them, mm-hmm are something that I have to take super seriously. Mm. And after that experience, I was able to walk away and, you know, realize like this person has, is not what I want. Yeah. You know, he's just reminding me of an old pattern. Um, I really had to look at that experience of my dad not talking to me for so long and do some more healing around that. Mm -hmm. Even though I thought like I'm good and that wound for me is done. And I had kind of like wiped my hands clean of it, but it wasn't, I had just, started to shut down and yeah. compartmentalize that, yeah. which is, I think, where we'll get into some trouble because those core wounds, you know, if you think of Lacey always says, uh, Lacey Phillips, my mentor, she always says that we're peeling away this like ego layer, mm-hmm. ego layers, right? Of all this programming that we've uh, picked up and all of these limiting beliefs and all of these blocks. And so we're just like peeling away layer by layer. And our core wounds literally go down through every single one. And the beautiful thing is as you get closer and closer to your core, like they get smaller, right. But like, especially in those like top layers, they're quite big. Mm -hmm. And so when you're peeling things back and you hit something that you've dealt with before, you're not regressing. Like that wasn't me regressing. Mm -hmm. That was, I was, had hit a new layer that that was in and I wasn't dealing with it. And so I returned to the pattern so that I could get mirrored back. Like, Hey, you're not dealing with this thing. You got to look at it again. And once I did that, I was able to step so much further into my worth and so much further into my growth and Mm -hmm. like so strong. And like, I know what I want and I know what I need and I'm not settling for anything less. Whereas before there was still a bit of that, like, well, but maybe because I mm-hmm. still was still wasn't hitting, really looking at that the way that that wound was still showing up for me. Yeah. So I think it's important to recognize these attachment styles and these wounds um, will hit a lot of your layers and that's okay. Yeah. It's just looking at them, using the tools that you have, getting more tools if you need them and really like going through it mm-hmm. and not avoiding it. Yeah. that will cause the most ease inside of situations and will feel the best eventually. It won't always feel good inside of it, of yeah. course, but yeah. like the uncomfortableness is okay. Yeah, that's good. This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women, six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest. Or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, 
discouraging, frustrating. And maybe if you're being really honest, it can even feel hopeless. Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? Friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. Now you will walk away knowing number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. One of my mentors used to say like, like God is so kind not to allow us to go through like the full healing process in one take mm, because it totally. would be too intense for us. Yeah, would have killed us as kids. Yeah, so it's like, oh, so it's it's like kind of like the snake getting new skin. Yeah. And it's like, all right, that was just a layer. Now that there's another layer to come off, it doesn't mean that other layer didn't come off. Exactly. It's just exactly. that now time has passed. Yes. The new skin has gotten a little bit yes. like of weathered and now you have the capacity to go deeper. Yes. Well, um, and, you know, as you're saying, like, you know, you're like, it took me two weeks to realize that. Like I showed up and realized what I was getting myself into very quickly. I was able to mm. walk away wherein before that would have taken me six months. That would have taken me years to mm. walk away from a person. And I would have stayed engaged in something like that for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, we really have to look at, this is something I deal with my clients a lot. Like it is progress not perfection. And you have to look for the progress. Mm -hmm. And that is what will help you along this path Mm because it isn't a straight shot. Mm -hmm. You know, there, you take little paths off that you need to learn a lesson. You come right back onto your path, but those little turnoffs are super important because they're teaching you whatever you need to continue on, you know? And it's not, this isn't a quick process. This isn't something that's done in a month or two months, we live in a very instant gratification culture. Mm-hmm. And this isn't something that you're going to find instant gratification on. It yeah. is, it is work. It's diligence and it takes consistency, especially with neuroplasticity. Consistency is like the name of that game. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what essentially, if you're looking to heal this stuff, that's what you're engaging with is changing your brain. Yeah. And that will be a lifelong process, but like, thank God we would be so bored Mm -hmm. if we were just like, I've reached the top of the mountain. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Cool. And also I feel with myself. So for example, before I started struggling with anxiety attacks, Mm. I remember when you started going through that, that was tough. That was terrible. Yeah. 
But before that, when I have a lot of people in my family that struggle with anxiety and I would be like, go take a nap or take a chill pill. I didn't understand. And oh, there's was, a TikTok about that. Oh, God, TikTok really? is, oh, man, I need TikTok. to get off TikTok. Same. Um, it's just a time but waster. No, it's funny. Though, do we? I know. It's really good. I it's really good. It. And actually, there's a really a lot of great content out there yeah. um, from Black Voices that I'm loving. But anyway, there's a uh, TikTok video where someone is like, oh, I was, have, I was talking about my anxiety and some person said, why don't you just relax? And the video was like, oh, oh my God, I've discovered the cure for anxiety. Relax. <laughs> I just need to learn new and tell me that. Yeah. yeah. But so when I struggle, struggling with that, it gave me so much more empathy. And I think anytime I struggle with stuff with guys or any relationships, it gives me empathy. Yeah. You know, even when our, you know, if you're, I know we coach each other sometimes, yeah. but if like you're going through something or I'm going through something, I think we're able to have more empathy with each other when we're like, oh yeah, I went through that too. Yeah. You know, cause it's easy to look outside, looking outside, looking in on someone else's experience and be like, uh, well you 1000% should not be dating that guy. He is completely yeah. emotionally unavailable. What are you doing? Right. You know, when you're in it, it yeah. may not be the most helpful. And I think there is like an aspect of and anyone who coaches with me will know this, but like there is an aspect of needing to like call out and be truthful. Totally. Like, I'm definitely not going to tell you if a guy is avoidant, like, yeah, he's great and you should keep going. Like, I won't say that because yeah. that's just not helping anybody. Um, but what I will say, you know, if, if a client, I have plenty of clients that come to me and they're in an avoidant, really in a relationship with an avoidant guy who's, more than likely not going to come around, mm-hmm. right? But they're not ready to get out. And so I will say, this is, like, let's look at this clearly. But, like, if you need to run into the fire, run into the fire. Mm-hmm. And that is totally fine. Yeah. And that's how you're going to learn that lesson. So I think it's important to be super truthful, but yeah. also be like, yeah, if you're in the process with it, I get it. I've been there. Yeah. And that's okay. And yeah. I'm not going to say that you need to move through this quicker than you Mm -hmm. need to move through it because you need to take as much time as you need to take with it. Yeah, absolutely. One of my, when I was dating said guy who was totally, who told me on the first date, he was not interested in being in a relationship with me. And I just, I mean, my, my poor friends for years, I mean, I was off and on with this guy for years Mm -hmm. and I felt so judged by so many of my friends. I judged myself. Oh yeah. I didn't respect. I was like, gosh, I am just, I would, text him late at night please oh, yeah. hang out with me like oh, I have, all I this have, stuff yeah, like this. oh but it was one my one friend she's much older than me and she said you know what we lived in different states so she was like if you need to go move there and like figure it out and like be in a relationship with him she would say i don't want that for you right but if that's what you need you to do, do i it. support you and mm-hmm. she i felt like uh, like she trusted God with me. Yeah. You know, like she wasn't trying to control the outcome. She right. really trusted me. And right. that is actually what I needed. Like yeah. she was like, this is not what I want for you. I, I do not think this is your best, God's best, any best. But if this is what you, you need to that. do, you have to learn that. I mean, running into the fire is so important mm-hmm. because you do have to get to a point 
where the, how you will change is when you get so tired Mm. of your same patterning, your same bowl that you're finally ready to go no more. Yeah. And you will not get there until you have burnt yourself to a crisp Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And you finally realize if I don't want to be burnt, then I got to stop running into the fire. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, you have to get to that breaking point. Like you have to reach a bottom. Yeah. I feel like that's with anything. With anything. Someone, I, no one, I cannot want someone else's wholeness more than they want it for Mm -hmm. themselves Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Exactly. So the running into the fire is so key into Mm -hmm. learning and it sucks, man. Like, well, here, well, running into the fire sometimes can be love. Uh In the moment. In the moment. (laughs) It can be painful afterwards, but it can be a lot of fun when you're doing it. And like, if that's where you are, amazing. That's where you are. And that's an important part of your process. And I don't ever want to encourage anyone to like try to rush through that because if you do, you will just continue to meet test after test after test after test that will keep um, trying to teach you the same lesson that you just could learn with one like really intense, like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to like go all in. And it's, it's just a really important, important part of the process. So don't rush it. You know, if you're in a fire right now, like good, yeah, get burnt. Yeah. But then I also think of there's also, so I'm that person who's like, I want to learn, I want to learn that the stove's hot myself. Like, whereas I feel like a sister of mine, or I also have a really good guy friend and I asked him like, why don't you have sex as a single man? He's Mm -hmm. Christian, you know, obviously a lot of Christians, that's like a thing in the Christian culture. Right. And because I went on this like whole seven year journey of like figuring out what I believed about this stuff. Yeah. And I had to figure it out. Right. And he was like, he's in his late 30s. He goes, well, my brother told me when I was a kid not to have sex until I was married. And so that's what I do. And I was like, you don't feel like you need to like figure out like what the Bible really says about that or like figure out your own experiences or, and he was like, no, I just, I, I, I saw, I saw his experience and the heartbreak of my other friends. And I just realized, you know, I I don't want to learn the quote unquote hard way, or I don't want to kind of like we're we're saying have to run into the fire. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, you don't need to, then you don't need to. Like if watching someone else get burned is enough for you to be like, I don't need to do that. Then great. I wish it was enough for me. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) But actually, no, I don't. Because all my experiences really lent for me to be able to do what I do professionally. Let me to be like the depth of the person that I am. And I'm really proud of the person that I am. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change all of the the silly places that I've been in. Like, for example, when I was dating a guy in college, I use the the word dating quite loosely. (laughs) Um, And we had, we were on and off, of course, and he was... Oh, he was so avoidant. We lived like five minutes away from each other in college. And I saw him like maybe once a week, like he and his roommates would have, they would have their girlfriends over and like do things like carving pumpkins. He wouldn't invite me. Oh man. Like he had probably had another girl over and I would drunk dial him every night. And I would just like be out with my friends. And by the end of the night, I would be drunk and like trying to call him and they would get so pissed at me. I would take none of that back. It felt really pathetic at the time, but it really taught me a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like, mean, I needed that. that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I needed all the those silly experiences. Yeah. 
2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me friend to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refined Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refined Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. So let's, I want to unpack a little bit. I feel like anxious might feel easier. Maybe it just feels easier to identify since I, that is my natural insecure state. Mm. Um, But I feel like avoidant can look subtle at times. I mean, honestly. What would be like example, maybe more subtle examples of avoidant tendencies, even if it, yeah, I'll just say that. I, well, I feel like it's, we identify what we are most easily. Like all my avoidant clients no, they're avoidant, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so avoidance will be just like, I'm independent. Um, they'll be called, they'll be told they're a really independent child. Most mm. of the time, like in childhood, like how do your parents describe you? I was an independent kid. I didn't need anything. Right. Mm. Cause you would already learn to like shut down your needs. Uh-huh. Um, so that will show up in your relationships. You'll be very closed off, shut down. Uh, you'll have a lot of walls up. You'll be very reserved. You won't, you won't want to get vulnerable being vulnerable is like your kryptonite. Mm. Um, and you know, in relationships, it can look like coming on super strong in the beginning. Um, I see this more with men that have avoidant, uh, attachments that they come on very, 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 very strong in the beginning. They're like weeing you like Mm. crazy. And then as soon as it gets real, they kind of pull away. Um, but, yeah, I would say those are the ways that it really, it shows up. But honestly, I, I've i never met someone that was like, didn't have an inkling that they were avoiding. Yeah. Well, what about, like here, what about this? Like, what about a person, let's say a girl is like, I really want to be in a relationship, mm-hmm. but I'm always in the friend zone. Mm-hmm. And she finds herself in friendship after friendship with guys that she likes that mm-hmm. don't like her back. Mm-hmm. And like, Would that be an example of being avoidant, like being in constant friendships with guys that don't want to be with you, but you're like, oh, I like them. Maybe they'll change. Well, yeah, because that's a lack of and that's a lack of um, being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? Sharing your feelings and 
which not wanting to speak up about your feelings can also be an anxious trait. But in that way, that that would be more avoidant because they're trying to be the cool girl, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, like, I'm good. This is fine. I'm chill. Whatever. It or works. something's better than nothing. Right. It's not really something's better than nothing. It's just they don't want to get vulnerable. <clears throat> Got it. That it's, that's like way too much. And they'll have a fear of if they get into a relationship, it will engulf, it'll be too much. They'll lose mm. themselves completely. Yeah. Right? Like they'll, someone will then be codependent with them yeah. and they won't be able to be an autonomous being. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. So maybe just like the last few minutes, let's, how can we make practical steps? How can I make practical steps? You make practical steps as you talk about leaning more, walking more towards yeah, secure. secure. Like what are we, what can we do? So I think it's super important to work with someone on this. Um, whether that's a coach, hello, I take one-on-one session to me. Um, or a therapist. It is really important to work with someone because it's very hard to like see yourself clearly through all of this. Mm-hmm. And it's, you need someone to kind of hold you accountable and kind of walk you through this. But, um, what I would recommend is first reading about attachment theory. Um, I like starting with a book attached. It's a great resource. Um, and just doing some research and really kind of learning more about the different ways that shows mm-hmm. up and what that looks like. And then I would take inventory of your last five relationships mm-hmm. and what happened, how you felt, what you feel like they did, what you feel like you did so that you can pick out patterning and you can kind of see the way that your attachment style is showing mm-hmm. up. Um, take inventory to when you feel like your attachment style may have been activated within those Mm. relationships. So you can start to pay attention for that activation. Cause now I'm very aware if I get activated, um, Mm. but when you're not, you just kind of think like, that's just who you are. And you know, if you're anxious, you'll be like, I'm crazy. Um, which you are not crazy. Yeah. And so those are two good things to do if you're anxious the number one thing that you can start doing, and this is going to require a lot of energetic work to support it. And by energetic work, I mean reprogramming. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and plug to be magnetic. And I don't know if this audience really knows a lot about that to be magnetic work, but it is essentially doing a self-hypnosis that you're led through to get down into your subconscious and start to literally reprogram the neurons and neural pathways that are creating those patternings Mm -hmm. that you don't like that are looping. So that's the energetic work that I'm talking about. You need that sort of doing that alongside of the action step Mm -hmm. of starting to speak up and communicate your needs and what you want and hold boundaries and follow through on those boundaries. That's super, super big for an anxious person. However, that's very hard to do if you're not doing the energetic work with it. Yeah. And for avoidance, it's allowing yourself to be seen putting yourself out, exposing yourself, getting vulnerable with as, you know, as many people as you can, like starting with, you know, your friends, like how can you be more vulnerable with your friends? How can you be more vulnerable online? That's a great place to expose yourself. Um, I have, you know, a lot of avoidant clients who don't, they want a relationship, but they're not dating. They're not online dating. They want to hide their body. And so something that I'll tell them is like, definitely set up an online dating profile because online dating is just a portal to bring someone through just like anything else. Mm -hmm. There's nothing shameful about it. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and put a full 
body photo on there. You don't have to be in a bikini, but like show what you're so fearful of someone seeing, Mm. like expose yourself, be vulnerable. Um, Because that's just starting to take actioning in line with the way that you want to be showing up. But again, you do need that energetic work underneath it to support it. Yeah. And I feel like you've told me at times when I've been activated, like you're like, oh, I feel like you're really activated right now. You really need to focus on self-care. Yeah, totally. And so when I'm feeling anxious, pausing. Well, when you're feeling, when you're activated, it's very hard to be like self-care and like, woohoo. Like, you know, you, you can't, cause you're so, your um, nervous system, you're in fight or flight. So the first thing to do, I, if you go to my blog, which is amandablair.org um, and you search for preoccupation exercise, that is the perfect thing to do if you've been activated and you're feeling that like, oh, because you need to calm your nervous system down, like first and foremost. Right. And then you can, when you're in a place of more of like, you can breathe, then you can start, yeah, like really practicing self-care and taking care of yourself. Well, and there's so many things you can do to engage your parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. to calm down, whether that's EFT tapping, um, boxed breathing, um, like there's so many, there's so many things that you can do yeah. to but that's really huge because that's yeah. what will feel so yeah. overwhelming. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. If there was like one thing you would say to a person who feels like really stuck and doesn't know what the next, like what the next step would be for her, mm-hmm. what would you say? Like the work with somebody, work get with somebody. help. Yeah. Don't try to go out this alone. Yeah. We all need guidance yeah. and we all need help. And if you have hit, a wall, get someone to help you climb over it yeah. or that see there's not That's a wall right. there or like climb underneath it or, so good. you know, just like walk over it Yeah, because that help will get you so much further. Cause you mm-hmm. could stare at that wall for three years Yeah, and like, that's fine if that's part of your process. But if you, if you've already done that a million times, like mm-hmm. let's try something new. Right. And I think there's two things I want to say to that. And one is I think money comes up a lot for people Mm -hmm. and I've spent so much money on therapy, relationship coaches, workshops, every sort of thing. And I, you will never regret investing in yourself. And part, and part of that breakthrough is saying, I am actually worth the investment Yes, and figuring out a way or, and even a lot of places offer scholarships if it's really like I or sliding scale, but Mm -hmm. a great place to start. Um, if you're wanting to start, like start this work, but money is an issue. I know we're in a pandemic right now. Yeah. Um, start with ACA 12 step rooms. Uh, that's adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional family. So you don't have to come from an alcoholic home. You can just come from a dysfunctional home, which is like 90% of us. Yes. And that is, you're going to be in a circle and though it can't be in person right now, the virtual groups are still just as good. And that's a great place to start. That's such a, I'm so Get, glad like, you remember Seeking that. support mm-hmm. and starting there. And then when you're able to work through whatever, you know, is going on and create some more income and, and seek out more individualized support, that's beautiful. But like start where you can and start yeah. there. That's right. That's good. And I feel like the last thing I wanted to say, just because we ran into this the last time you were on the podcast, mm. um, you're not a Christian. No. And I am a Christian. Yes. A lot of my followers are a Christian. Yes. So they hear your amazing 
thing. And they're like, right. I want to hire a relationship coach. And then right. they're like, oh, wait, you're not a Christian. I can't hire you. Right. And I just want to say, like, publicly, and I've said this to you yeah. multiple times, just when you are like, oh, this person reached out to me and then they found out I'm not a Christian, is I trust your work. Yeah. As a Christian, as someone who is in love with Jesus, and that is my my faith, everything about who I am, what I believe, I trust you to coach me. Right. You have coached me, and you have never been like, I know what you should do, Kat. You should go sleep with a bunch of men. <laughs> like, you've <laughs> taken into account, yeah. here is how my faith impacts totally. my dating relationships and you have respected and honored. And I would say that you probably wouldn't tell any client like go on an orgy rampage. Like, <laughs> No, that is never the homework. Yes. Um, so I'm trying I, to reel people in. Yeah. Most of the time. So I think I just wanted to say that because I think it, there's so many blocks for people when it comes to seeking wholeness. And it's like, well, I have to find like a perfect Christian counselor. And I think I've definitely had Christian counselors and I needed that at that time. However, I would say like, if someone doesn't work with you just because they don't, there's not a shared faith there, I would say that they're missing out. So I just want to say like, I like love the work you do. It's, it's just being friends with you has transformed my life. I mean, I think our second day of friendship, you were like, um, cat, there's some glaring stuff in your life. And I was like, no, there's not, no, there's not, no, there's not. It's it's on brand. Um, yeah, I, I think that I respect, I have a deep love and faith with God. It's just not Christian. It's Mm -hmm. more spiritual, but so I respect all walks of faith, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you have a ton and it's religious or you have none and you know, whatever. Um, I work with all of that to me Mm -hmm. that there is no difference. Mm -hmm. So I don't find an issue with working with someone who has a different background religiously than I do. But yeah, I have ran into a lot of people who are like, well, like, Oh, well, if you're not, but I just don't think it matters so much, you know, like God is God is God is God is God. God. Yeah. And I think so. it's, I think it's important to find someone that you like can trust and be like, I want this person to speak into my life. And right. I think that you can speak into so many lives and different Thank walks. So. Thank you. I yeah. love you. I love you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Oh my gosh. This mm-hmm. is so fun. It's great. Hold on. We're back. Um, we just were so caught up at the moment. Just chit-chatting as girlfriends that <laughs> I forgot to say, Amanda. Cat. How can people find you, hire you, follow along with you, read your blog, all the things? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at xoamandablair. And my website and blog is amandablair.org. And if you want to schedule a coaching session with me, that's through the To Be Magnetic, which is tobemagnetic.com. Um, T-O, not T-W-O. Yeah, T-O, two, B. Um, and if you go to the menu one-on-one coaching, you'll find my page in there. Amazing. And I also have that link in my bio, in yeah. my Instagram. And we'll link all of this in the show notes. So there you have it. I was like, I feel like I forgot to do something. <laughs> yeah. Come find me. I would love to chat with you all. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to. 
follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.